You're listening to the Brattlecast. Stories about books, old, rare, and out of print. The people who buy, sell, appraise, and collect them. And the man himself, Kenneth Gloss, the proprietor of the Brattle Bookshop, a Boston institution on West Street in Boston. And you can go to brattlebookshop.com. And you're going to want to catch today's episode as you do all of them. Because this one is uh, generated by a listener, a big fan of the podcast, who actually came into the store, you say, Ken. And he had a... A request, and the request is actually something we hear about more often these days. You know, what to do when you have that big collection and you want to get it ready, prep it for somebody like you to take a look. Well, he he was saying that there's a few reasons that people do that, but he was saying, you know, you talk about one book, two books, but what about those of us who have maybe a thousand or two books and we're thinking about doing something? What can we do? to make it easier for you or, yeah. or whatever. Of course, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, well, also if you're if you most people who collect collections like that, there is no way unless they're forced to, they'll give up anything. But if they're older, they're moving, mm-hmm. uh, and they ha- you know, they're moving from a big house to the small, they have no choice. And the first thing probably when you call a real estate agent is they go, well, you've got to stage this and so on. But from our point of view, the best thing that that person could do uh, and is, first of all, go through the books, decide what you really, really want to keep. It might be for a sentimental reason. It might be for monetary. Maybe you want to keep the best books and you're still going to add and collect. Then you want to make sure when you move that you have some empty bookshelves. That, that you, somewhere you can put them. Somewhere you can put them. <laughs> but uh, but it, what it forces someone to do is really go through and look at their collection. And that's the first thing I say is decide what you actually want to sell because one of the things that comes up when, when we go and look, if someone has a wall of books and uh, they go, some of them are, or, or most of them are for sale, I go, I can't do anything. (laughs) I mean, because, well, does that mean we have to go each book, one book at a time? Mm -hmm. Now, that works if every book is worth $500, $1,000, or a few thousand dollars. Then you spend all that time. But if they're $3, $5, $10, $15 books, that doesn't work. I'm not going to stay there for hours and hours and hours and then have someone pull out a book and go, Oh, wait a minute. That one my uncle gave to me when we were in the – as much as the sentiment might mean something to them, I don't need to hear it. <laughs> well, you know what they say. There are two types of people in the world, those who want to throw things out or move things and those who want to hang on to everything. Usually it's a husband and wife combo. But uh, that makes sense, knowing what it is, setting it aside, making sure you've labeled it in your mind or on paper so that you know I don't want to let this one go. Or – these are all go. Or these now, are all going. And then I tell people there can be a third category. And that category can be if they're worth a dollar a piece, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep them. If they're worth a hundred dollars a piece, yeah, well, good luck, we can sell those. So I say, well, put aside those books for that reason. At least the sentiment is out of it. Mm-hmm. In other words, then it's just money. And quite honestly, Although that's a very, very important part, it's easy. It either works or it doesn't work. But sentiment is, is 
probably the hottest thing for a real collector. Uh, the memories of where they bought it, sure. who, why they bought it, who they're buying it for, with you know that's an important part. The next thing I tell people that's very important is anyone else involved in this, have them look first. In other words, if you have children, uh, friends, uh, other collectors who might want things, have them look first. In other words, maybe this isn't, doesn't mean that much to you, but maybe your children remember that you read that book to them when they were a kid and it means a lot to them. Have them go through it. Have them look at it. That's that's an important part about it because one of the – and this happens occasionally. We make a deal. We box up 50, 70 boxes of books. We get them to the store one day and then the next day we've gone out somewhere else and put another 50 boxes of books on top of them and another day. And then a week later you get a call. My father sold one of the books and we have to have that book back and, and get it. And so now you've got the 50 boxes that you have to go through to find that one book, oh. but you've got maybe 100 boxes of books on top of those 50 boxes. And we do it, and mm. we're happy to do it in the sense that we want the person to get their book back. But it's like, if you had done that first, <laughs> and, you know, it's not that it would have made any difference in the price. It's not that it would make any real issue. It's just oh, it would have been just so much easier. And yeah. and that that's hard to do after the fact. The other thing that, and this is sort of a very difficult question to ask sometimes, or is if it's very obvious that someone's older, I mean, older, and sometimes on the phone you can tell, or even if they're using email, if they can do it, if you have some question that there might be some memory issues mm-hmm. or so on, then we really, really try hard to have someone else there. Mm. In other words, oh, do you think your son could be there too, your daughter? Or do you have someone who's helping you move? Could they be there, please? Mm. Because, you know, we don't want anybody to sell it and then have someone else say, you took advantage of my 90-year-old mother or father or whatever. So we try to set that all, prepare it up. And we said, if you're moving somewhere, Measure the bookshelves uh, yeah, yes. because usually you can fit about 10 books per foot. Mm-hmm. And so if you know you have 10 feet of bookshelves and you know that 10 books per foot so you can get 100 or you know 200 books and that, that prepares you a lot too. I have a question. When, when you've already decided you're going to go out to a home and a state, check it out. What can people do in terms of preparing the the books? Should they all be uh, spine out so that you can read the the spines, and uh, should they be stacked on top of each other, next to each other? Just a, a little bit oh, of a feng shui. A, a, well, absolutely. Uh, and one of the things we also tell people a little is, you know, we want to get an idea of what they're selling. Nowadays, digital pictures of the shelves are one one thing that we absolutely insist on, though, is that they be in focus. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> no, no, but, you know, it's so, know, it, know. No, but it actually sounds, of course, but when you take it with a cell phone and you look at it on your cell phone, the screen's so small that you don't always realize if we have to enlarge it, that it blurs out. So 
pictures are fabulous, but it also makes people look and see what they have. Uh, as far as organizing, uh, not terribly. In other mm-hmm. words, if we – other than <laughs> we've had uh, people call us to a storage area and the books have been back in the back of a 10-foot cubic foot oh, storage area and there's piles of furniture and all sorts <laughs> of – in that case, yet it's not so much that we mind that they're in boxes. It's not so much that we – uh, it's just, can we actually get at them? Yeah, and, and if they're on the third floor, uh, maybe you can get a young cousin or nephew to bring a few of them down for Ken. No, not that you're getting old and decrepit, but it's no, no, not easy on the knees. Is that it? part we tell people, don't worry about it. We, we, I usually come with an assistant, but one of Well, that's the, why you're in such great shape. Well, it's actually carrying <laughs> books up. We recently had an estate, and this was relative selling it, 15,000 art books in New Haven. Wow. But it was a big, huge Victorian, and probably a third to a half were in the attic. And uh, What time uh, for, of year was this, by the way? This was uh, in the fall. Oh, so, so it wasn't that okay. hot. But art books are very, very heavy. And, you know, I did a fair amount of it, my assistants, and it was one of the few where we got an outside crew to help us. But I actually enjoyed the physical to a point. Uh, as long as there's a massage table somewhere yeah. at the end of a long hall. <laughs> uh, another thing we tell people that when we go in and we seeing. So the main thing is the person looking. Uh, what we tell them is if they've got everything all boxed up, um, then we're probably going to sample more than look at it. If they're all on shelves, we can look. But if they're boxed up, we sample and we get an idea of the uh. type of books they have and what they have. And and usually you can say, okay, well, these are all – they might be different subjects from different areas, but they're all general good use books or paperbacks or whatever. And then, you know, you, you say, okay, well, if this one's like this one, then you move six boxes and you look at the next one. Another thing that we ask people to do when preparing – is is there anything in there really, really valuable? Because if they know what they have and they can tell us and a book might be signed that you're not going to see by just glancing at the shelves, but sometimes they have one or two books, they have a thousand books that are worth three times what everything else combined is worth. So obviously that's very helpful to us that we don't miss it or, or – No, obviously or, too though, there are times when people don't have any idea what they have in terms of value and that's where you can help them. Oh, absolutely. But a lot of times too, we get a sense of what's there. In other words, a lot of times you mm-hmm. can look at a person's library and go, we've got to look at every book very carefully. There's mm-hmm. – look, there's this one then there's a bunch of not so good ones. But if you start seeing those one or two or three mixed in – then it's a lot more of a procedure because you really have to look. If they, if there's been any previous appraisals from a, you know, a past estate, if there's been anyone who's known and pointed things out. Now, one of the problems sometimes with that is we just recently went up to a, um, an estate near Plattsburgh, New York. I mean, it was a long drive, beautiful area, but. When we got there, the lady who had the books, it had been her husband's, he taught at McGill. Um, she 
we looked. Her son-in-law was there, which we were happy about because she was in her 90s. And he said, well, one of my students about 10 years ago cataloged this and said there were and look things up, and there are over 20 to 30 books that are worth well over $1,000 individually. The problem with that is there weren't. They, they just, there weren't any books. The, the most valuable book we saw in the place was 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. And then it was, and then you run into the problem. Well, yeah, the, someone told us the books, the, this library, we have $30,000 worth of books. And my manager and I are looking and going, well, the whole thing's worth about $5,000. And so sometimes getting that outside information can be Just tough. Just make sure you know the source. and Make sure you know the source. But the main thing is look through it. The emotional part is the more than, more than almost every case the difficult. Have your family go through it so that if there's something that they particularly wanted, that that's moved if there are some things that you know are much, much more valuable, point that out. It helps and makes things easier. And then uh, then we talk and negotiate and most work out very well. I would think that the listener who suggested this is happy to hear this podcast because I didn't know anything about all this. I didn't realize there were so many variables that would help you do your job and help us. And the other thing that really, really helps – Mm-hmm. is don't tell us you're moving in two days and it has to be done tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and that happens, I, yeah. I'll, I assure you. It's usually we can make an appointment within a week. But, uh, you know, if, if when people tell us this has to be done the next day, you know, sometimes it can't be or there's too much or planning. But some what I – oh, another another thing when we get to a house – if you have pets, if you have pets, well, first of all, if it's a 200-pound vicious dog, please have them somewhere else. But most dogs are fine and good. Mm-hmm. But the first thing we ask when we're doing this is, do you have any cats, dogs, whatever, who if the door opens, that they'll run out? Because you're opening that door a lot to get those or, boxes or, in the truck. Or many times we say, can we leave it open so we yeah. don't have to push it each time? And many times people will say, oh, no, they're outdoor animals. They can go in and out. Or, yeah, we'll get them in this room, close the door. Because, you know, most of the time when that happens, it can be such a worry trying to get the cat, the dog, Do you whatever, speak back from in. some experience? Has this happened it's, in the way back? It's happened in a few times. It's happened enough times way back that before we start moving things, even if we haven't seen a pet— because sometimes cats will hide mm-hmm. and we'll ask, is there anything here that we can't open the door, uh, so on. Uh, and so that's another thing that comes up. You know, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, everything goes well, smoothly, easily. But that the prep on leave a little bit of time so this can actually get done, uh, take the emotion out of it, get that, all that out of the way ahead of time. And then we're pretty good. And if you really want to see beforehand and get an idea, pictures are great. You wrote the book on the subject. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So good. And by the way, folks, connect with us. Connect with Ken uh, with your question. What would you like Ken to talk about on the podcast? You can do it by visiting brattlebookshop.com. And uh, those kinds of inquiries 
We take them seriously and uh, appreciate it. In particularly ones that I feel your question is a question that lots of people ask. Exactly, exactly. So kudos to the man who uh, stepped into the store yeah. and had that question. You've been listening to the Brattlecast, Ken Gloss and Jordan Rich. Ken, have a great day. Thank you very much. <laughs>